before we get into Joshua this morning, you know, one of the great uh, joys, privileges, uh, just the encouraging things over the years has been as Myrna and I have had stops along the way, we've met folks who have become dear to our heart, and and they remain dear to our heart, and sometimes we don't see them for long periods of time, but this morning we have a couple guests with us who have been near and dear to our heart for quite a few years, Timothy and Kiva Kokertu, who are with us. Timothy uh, is going to come up just for a minute, if he would. I put him on the spot this morning, but he said he would do it uh, because he feels bad turning me down. I didn't want to embarrass him in front of all of you, so uh, he's, Timothy's going to share a word with us. Uh, and let me just give you a little bit of background. Uh, as you will notice, Timothy is Romanian. He came over. What year did you come, Timothy? 86. 86, okay. And and we would have met you uh, around 1990. 90, or yeah. yeah, okay. So uh, they had only been here a few years, and they lived in Ellet for a time. Yeah. Um, and Timothy, tell us a little bit about what you were doing when you left Romania. What was your job there? I was the school teacher for 10 years. And the four years I was assistant principal, and the four months I was principal. But in that time was time, the communist country. And because I baptized, I followed Jesus, I fired me for this position, principal like that. Was uh, live only for teacher. I have a lot of problem, and after that, I escaped in 1985 uh, with Danubio River. You escaped in 85. 85. And and how did you get out of country, Timothy? Uh, was hard time. I escaped over the Danubio River with a small boat in the Yugoslavia, and I stand there for four months. And uh, Kiva and my daughter stand in the Romania. And after five months, I come here in the United States. Okay. And, and for a time, Kiva didn't know if you were alive or dead, right? <laughs> yes, and this time he doesn't know because uh, Holy Secrets come in her and told her I'm shut down the board. So for... For quite a while, was how long did Kiva think that you were dead? A month. Month, okay. And after a month, I called her. Everything was okay. Praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> and now, uh, the former dictator, leader of Romania, was his. Help me with his name. Ceausescu Nicolae. Okay. However, I said it was going to be wrong. Okay. <laughs> so uh, now you've got it right from a Romanian uh, lips, but. Uh, uh, what year was he killed and removed? In, in, in 89, in the Christmas Day, in 26, Christmas Day. I remember that story, yes. <laughs> and Timothy, you, you were aware of Timisora and, and all that happened there, right? Yes, because there started the revolution in the Timisora, yes. Yeah. Like place very, very close to me, in the 100 uh, uh, kilometers, 60 miles in my village. To Timisora, yeah. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about what happened to Timisora, because most of us have forgotten. Uh, over there was a lot of revolution. A lot of people was against the government. 
and a lot of people killed in that time. And after the dictator was killed, and after that, the power was done. Okay. For the reason, I came back in the Romanian 90 because the government changed. Another way, I can go because my name was on the bad list. <laughs> it, it, Timothy's name's on our good list. So, uh, uh, from that time. Here's the amazing thing. I wanted him to share this with you. Um, Timothy, you still go back to Romania about every two years? Yes, I go to Romania with my wife, Kiva, and uh, around 19 until now, the 15th time. And a couple of years, I was every year in the 2015, 2016, and 2017 every year. And uh, the amazing thing, what is there, uh, was more freedom than here is right now in the Romania. My friends for college become principal for the school. And when I go there, they give me the permission preach the gospel in the public school. It's amazing. It is not possible, but we must to pray because the time is coming. And uh, I go there, I give the New Testament in 2017, over 2,000 test New Testaments like that. For the school, the kids in somewhere, praise the Lord. Okay. Timothy has been an encouragement to us because when he first started going back, it it wasn't probably the safest place for him, uh, but he went over, and, and here's the amazing thing you probably heard, but he can get in the schools in Romania and preach the gospel. How's that go for us? Huh? Uh, and I think it's just amazing how the Lord has used him over these years. Uh, Timothy, you're fellowshipping now at, uh, at Springfield? Yes, right now I'm there, yes, Romanian church. I Go the boat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and the Romanian church is it, there's still one in Cleveland. Where's the others? Yes, in the Cleveland and one in the Battle Road, in the Green House, uh, Green High School. Okay. 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 So there is a Romanian fellowship both in Green and and in Cleveland. Well, Timothy's been a good friend, and and I've admired him. What I've really admired is his heart for the gospel and his heart to bring others to faith in Christ and his willingness to go back to his own country time and again. Um, and the Lord's blessed him for it. That he's, he's, although in the last couple of weeks, or I'm not sure how long, you haven't been feeling quite so well. Yeah, for the reason I can't speak too much, because I'm always tired, I take some medication, and I don't feel okay. But maybe sometime I'll tell a lot of story for Romania, I like it. I have a lot of picture for that, a lot of video, I like it someday. Well, I know I told you, Pastor Ross, I don't feel very well, but he asked me, I can't say no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. And I'll tell you what, before you go, why don't we just take a minute and pray together for Timothy? Can we do that? Yeah. yeah. Father, thank you for the way you knit our hearts together. People from far off lands, but we have one God, that's you, and one Savior, that's Jesus. Lord, thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for Timothy. I pray for his health. Lord, that you would raise him up and there's much more for him to do. And Lord, thank you for his witness in Romania. And I pray that you'd pave the way for his next trip, Lord. 
that you make provision in every way and go before him through your spirit to, to pave the way for the effective uh, outreach of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for friends. Thank you for the great body of Christ. Another your blessings, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We are at AI this morning. Last week was a week of victory, great week, and this week, not so good. You know, I apologize ahead of time <clears throat> because there's a word that's not very popular in our day, and I'm probably going to say it a hundred times because it fits in this section, and even the Lord would say it of this. It's the word sin. So I'll just tell you ahead of time that you're going to hear it quite a few times. <clears throat> you know, in the 70s, uh, I coached a basketball team. And it was it were great days. I thoroughly enjoyed it. <clears throat> and we traveled around the eastern U.S. with a little Bible college team. <clears throat> we were uh, uh, not very good, to be quite honest. And th th I think the first winning season that they'd ever had was our second season there. So I think I now they probably have had some, but I think we had our first winning record ever the second year I was there. So I'll brag a little. But uh, one year we went to Lancaster Bible College in Lancaster, PA, and we were playing in a tournament. And I really thought we were the best team there. Well, you drive to Lancaster in vans, long drive. Then you play a game in the evening after getting there. So it's a very long day, and we played what I thought was the best team in the tournament, and, and we beat them, and we won by several points, and I, I just was convinced that this tournament was done, that we were going to win. So instead of me, we, they put us up wherever they can, and that night we stayed in the gym. It had a loft around the gym, which was a walking track. And they'd put beds up there for us. There were locker rooms there, and that's where we slept. Well, when, when you get a group of 20 young people in a gym, what do they do? That's what they did. And so into the wee hours of the night, and I didn't stop them. I just let them go. And they were having a great time. They used that gym until well past what should have been bedtime. Well, the, the next day, we got up. We had two games that day. Won the first game. But by the second game, our guys were so tired. And it was a team that probably the worst team in the tournament, and we got beat. And after, after the game, we went in the locker room, and I told the guys, this was on me. This was me. This was my fault. Because I presumed, I took for granted that we could win with or without preparation. And, and we didn't. And, and I learned something that day, and unfortunately, I never had a chance to use that in that, in that setting, but I learned something. It was not to take for granted. Well, what we're going to read in AI is they were taking God for granted. That's a dangerous place to be, is to take grace for granted. Um, grace is a wonderful blessing of God. Grace is a great word. But we should never take grace for granted. We should never assume on God for grace. 
and presume that he's going to give us grace no matter the circumstance. I'm going to read the entire story of of AI because it's almost a self-explanatory story. I could probably just read it with little comment and say amen. I'm not quite going to do that, but but we probably could do that and get the story very well. So I'm going to read it with just a couple comments, and uh, you track with me and just listen to the story and enter into the story. Of, and incidentally, the pronunciation Hebrew is Hei. It'd be Hei. So uh, we've kind of anglicized a little bit. Most people say AI, and I've even heard people call it I. But it, uh, for our use, it's AI to me. So let's read and, uh, and ask the Lord to help us first because I think there's a story here that has some lessons that are for us today, lessons that we need, and they need to be cemented in our minds. So let's just ask the Lord for help. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you again for the body of Christ. I see your wisdom in all things, but I certainly see your wisdom in bringing together people of like mind. And Lord, we want to be of like mind today as we go into your word to speak to us, we pray, through your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name and and for his sake. Amen. We are at uh, Joshua chapter 7. But... The people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things for Achan, uh, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. They'd been told not to take anything, and so it sets the scene right off the bat. Uh, This one particular person, uh, Achan, and, and his name is very close to the place where they're going to be, Achor, but uh, Achan means troubler. So his name belies what he did to his people. Verse 2, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near beth Avon, east of Bethel, and he said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Don't have all the people go up, but only let two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Don't make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up from there, uh, up there from the people. And they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed thirty-six of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Sherebim and uh, struck them at their descent, and the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Ai was around 10 miles, uh, give or take a little, from Jericho. And as you see the description, Ai was a little tiny place, and compared to Jericho, it didn't amount to much. And so you can see what they did. They looked up there and they said, oh, this is going to be easy. Look what we did at Jericho. And this is going to be easy. And so they send up a few, and they're routed. So then verse 6. Joshua tore his clothes, and he fell on the, to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, 
Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan to, uh, at all to give them into the land of the Amorites or the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we have been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O oh Lord, what can I say that when Israel has turned their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? You know, at the end of chapter 6, just a footnote here, God said, or it is said that God's name was known throughout the land because of what happened to Jericho. And, and Joshua's first concern is for his people, but then notice what he says. Lord, what about your name among the people? There's something there about the heart of Joshua. Notice verse 10. And the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They've transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They've taken some of the devoted things that they've stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they've become devoted for, construct, for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Take note of that little phrase. I'm not going to be with you. I'm not going to bless you. I'm not going to superintend your life anymore until you get this right. Did you hear that? Okay. Verse 13. Get up. Consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. And in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes. And the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come by clans. And then that clan that the Lord takes shall come by their households. And the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man. In other words, they're going through the tribes. He's going to sort them out, first by clan and then by household. And he's going to determine who's done this. Wouldn't that be unnerving if you were guilty? Huh? That's a little like mom coming through the house to see who's got jelly on their face, right? Um, they're they're going to find out who's guilty. There's just a, it's interesting that the guilty one was from Judah. And some have pointed out and have seen that, where was Christ from? What tribe was he from? Judah. And some have pointed out that the one that ends up being offered for all the people was also from the tribe of Judah, from the household. So they've made a parallel there. I, I'm not sure I see that fully, but look at verse 15. And he who is taken with the devoted thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, because he's done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken, and he brought near the clans of Judah and the clan of the Zerahites, they were taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerites, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near the household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. 
Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord of Israel and give praise to him. And tell me how now what you've done. Don't hide it from me. And Achan answered to Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. This is what I did. Pretty hard for him to deny it, wasn't it? Uh, he, he was nailed. They had him. He had the the cookie in his hand out of the jar, and they they knew that he had done it. But he did fess up at this point. Uh, I thought that Joshua's comment, give glory to the Lord God with truths. And, and let me just pause long enough to say there is such freedom in truth, and there is such bondage in deceit. Can you imagine Achan's heart up to this time? And can you imagine the freedom that he had, even though he was under the penalty, the freedom they had with truth? Because it's out. And it's always that way. Uh, there's freedom in truth. There's bondage in deceit. Look at verse 21. Here's what he said. When I, when I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I covered, coveted them, or yes, coveted them and took them. And see, they're hiding in the earth inside my tent uh, with the silver underneath. I saw them. I liked them. I took them. I have them. They're in my tent. Joshua sent messengers. He wanted to check out his word, ran to the tent, and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent, and they brought them to Joshua and to the, all the people of Israel, and they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bars of gold and his sons and daughters, oxen, donkeys, sheep, uh, and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble. And Joshua said, why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. So they stoned him, and then they burned them with fire. And it says in verse 26, they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger, and therefore, to this day, the name of the place is called the Valley of Achor. What a story. Uh, that leave you a little shaken? I mean, does does the penalty seem too harsh when you read it? Does it seem too harsh? Does it seem like that God is pretty severe? You know, sometimes I think when we consider the person of God, we we try to humanize him. We we'd like to make God a grandfather. You know, my grandkids know I'm a soft touch. When they want something, they go to grandma, they, she says, no, they come to me because they know that there's some probability that I'll give in. So I think we kind of like to make God like grandpa, that we make him a soft touch. But you know what we have is a God who is absolutely holy and absolutely just. And, and we have a God who is unapproachable apart from Jesus. The difference is we live this side of Jesus. We live in a time where we can go to God and say, 
Lord, I've done wrong. I've done wrong. Lord, I, I know that what I've done is wrong, and I repent. And the blood of Jesus can cover all sin. And, and this side of the cross, the time of grace. But there are lessons here for a reason. And the, the reason for this, the, the lessons out of AR for us today, and I just wrote down a few of them. There are probably many more, but just look through the lessons. And they're on the back of your bulletin. You can track with me. But I think the first problem was they'd forgot who brought down the walls. They, they had forgotten uh, who was in control. Remember way back in chapter 5, near the end, the captain of the Lord army came. And he said, basically, I'm in control. The captain of the Lord's army was Jesus. He said, I'm in control. And then they got this preposterous plan, stupidest plan ever, except that it was God's and it worked, to bring down Jericho. There couldn't have been one doubt in anyone's mind as to who brought down the walls of Jericho, right? Couldn't have been. The, the, just, the, the story is too preposterous. It couldn't have been. So they knew who brought down the walls. But yet, they will look on, and there's AI up there, this little tiny town, just a few people. This is easy. Notice that it doesn't say anywhere they consulted God. They consulted the captain of the Lord's army before they went. Problem number one, they didn't start by talking with God about it. Then the second thing that they did is they forgot who brought down the walls of Jericho. They thought, they began to think that they were something special. You know, I, I look back, terrible parallel, but I'll use it anyhow. I look back to that day in the 70s, and we went on that basketball floor. I thought we were something. I really did. I thought we had this game under control, and I found out maybe not so much. Now, the difference is that I'm not sure God was ever in control. And I could never pray for a win on a basketball floor. Could you ever pray to win a basketball game? How could you do that? could never do that. Yeah, you can always pray that you do your best, but you can never pray for a win. I just couldn't seem to find that in me. But these people forgot who's in control. So they... They had seen at Jericho an omnipotent God. They'd seen him bring down the walls in a miraculous way. They saw an omnipresent God that was with them throughout this desert experience, took them into this foreign land, and was there right with them, preparing the way. And so they saw the person of God, and they saw the power of God, and then they forgot. And folks, that's a dangerous place to be. We, we don't want to forget grace. We don't want to ever presume on grace. We don't ever want to assume that God is going to bless us through something. We need to consult him. I think people do this all the time. I think I do it. And I think probably we do it all the time. We forget. We forget that our salvation is by grace. And except but for the grace of God, there go we. We're, we're really not appreciably different than anyone else. In the depths of our heart lies the same darkness that lies in all hearts. And it's the grace of God that makes the difference. Um, we don't want to forget that. We don't want to presume on him. And we want to consult him. I don't know how many times over the years I've watched somebody go out and make a purchase on an impulse. And then say, God, how am I going to pay for that? You know? dangerous place to be. 
and, and we don't want to presume on God. There, the second thing I see out of this, you see it in the early section, verses 4 and 5 in particular, is that there is no such thing as private sin. All sin affects others. All sin. Anytime we disobey God, anytime we deliberately do wrong before God, it affects everyone around us. It's going to affect me for sure, but it's also going to affect my family, right? It's going to affect my church. It's going to affect everybody around me because first, it's going to break the power of God in my life. No longer am I going to be able to live in the blessing of God in rebellion because it breaks the blessing of God. It breaks his help and his presence when we live in rebellion to him. And then the people around me are going to see that and be hurt by it. Uh, I, without getting too specific, I, I know of a circumstance in, in our own life of someone who's presuming on God and their rebellion is affecting everybody around them, everybody around them. It's permeated generations of people and it's poison. And do you know anything like that? Do you know any people like that? Yeah. And no sin is private. It's going to affect everybody. You know, you hear people say, well, it's only going to hurt me. We have a, a good friend who's gone, been gone for a few months. Or some of you know, we prayed for her. Her name was Jessica. I've known Jessica since she was a little tyke. And Jessica died at 26 or 7 from drugs, from the effects of drugs. Um, Jessica would say, I'm only hurting myself. Oh, my goodness. She left behind a broken-hearted grandmother who had done everything she could do to try to raise her. She left behind a five-year-old little boy she left behind people who had attended a church with her. She left us behind. And trust me, Jessica didn't just hurt herself. Jessica hurt a generation of people. And it's always that way. Aiken, he probably thought, this is just about me. And he probably never considered that it was about his whole, uh, not only his tribe, but his whole nation. It is, the Israel was going to be impacted by his sin. And it's always that way, folks. It is never private. Men think that they can sit in front of a screen and watch pornography and it's private. Folks, it isn't private. It's affecting everybody around you. And it's like a cancer. It eats away. And I, I, my understanding is that that's as prevalent among women today as it is men. I can't believe that. But that's what I read, that there's many women that were involved in pornographies or are men. What a cancer. And, and do they think that it's private? It's not. There are no private sins. And I think that's a, a second major lesson out of, out of uh, AI. And then I think the, the third one is another hard lesson. These are hard lessons, aren't they? Wow. There's grace at the end, though. Um, 
keep keep in mind there's always grace at the end. The, the, the next lesson is that the way of the transgressor is hard. That's out of Proverbs 13, but it's also true. If we think for a minute that as a child of God that we can sin with impunity, we are wrong. Hebrews tells me that we have a good father. Uh, one of my least favorite contemporary songs is Good, Good Father. Uh, I, I don't like it. I'll just tell you. It's public now. But that I don't like it. Never have. But And I don't like it because it seems like we could come up with better lyrics than that. But uh, that's who I am. That's who I am. I don't know. It just doesn't do much for me. But anyhow, now that you know that, Sorry, Carrie. But, uh, but, but we do have a good father. Hebrews tells us that. And so the, it's true that we have a good, good father. And what do good, good fathers do? Now, good, good fathers are going to see to the discipline of their children, aren't they? Isn't that what good, good fathers do? And, and good, good fathers, when a child rebels, they're going to make them pay. They're going to help them to know that rebellion isn't healthy, right? Uh, and that's just what good, good fathers do. And we have a good, good father. And for us to think that, that we can just do what we want and disobey God with impunity, that isn't going to happen. It just ain't so. It, because a good, good father will discipline his children. And you can expect it. I don't know what it looks like. I it's I don't I can't formulize it. I just know that a heavenly father who loves his children is going to come after them when they disobey. And I think Achan just did it and did it without any thought of what was going to happen to him. And so the the third lesson is there's always a penalty for rebellion and it's painful. Whatever it is, it's painful. Then there's another lesson here, and uh, I, I think I'd phrase it this way. Sometimes the bling blinds us, you know. Sometimes when you look out there and you see he saw these beautiful garments, you know, how cool is that? And he saw all that money, he saw the gold, and he said, wow, I can have that. That's mine. And so his judgment was blinded by the bling. He saw all the shiny stuff. He saw all the great stuff. He said, I want that. I want that. And so what did he do when he chose the bling over the blessing? What did he do? He said, this stuff is more important to me than God. Didn't he? Isn't that what he said? Didn't he say that these nice things that I see are more important to me than having the favor of God. And folks, there isn't anything more important than having the favor of God. Nothing. We get up in the morning, and I don't care how you phrase it, but one of the things that we should do in the every morning in our waking moments is say, God, I want to live this day in your favor. Now, you phrase it however you like. That's the way I like to phrase it. I just want to live today in a way that you can pat me on the head and pat me on the back and say, it was a good day. And, and that'll be a good day. And I don't, the, the bling, you know, you guys know, 
there are certain things I like. How many of you watched Duke last night? I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it that nobody. How many watched Duke the night before? <laughs> Nancy, you didn't even watch it? I think I need to pack up and leave. Yeah, you didn't ask me if I watched basketball. Oh, okay. You watch basketball. Well, uh, the the Duke-North Carolina game was the, and I whatever statistic I quote would be wrong, but it was the most watched sporting event for a long period of time. It drew an enormous national crowd, and none of you saw it. It was, it's terrible. It's just, I don't understand. Um, it was late, and I had to get up early the next morning, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It, it, did, I, it didn't come on till 9.30, which meant it didn't go off till I don't know what time. But it wouldn't have made any difference. It could have come on at 2 in the morning. I'd have been watching Duke in North Carolina. Uh, now you don't love me anymore. Uh, but uh, I, I watched that game. It, it was a great game. Why did my mind even go there? I can't. Uh, what did that have to do with AI? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what? I'm sorry? Bling. Yeah, okay. Bling. Yeah. <laughs> and some of us are attracted to bling. Is that what I said? Okay. Um, well, trust me. There's one young man on the Duke team, several young men in particular, but you talk about bling. I'm really worried about this kid. He's 18 years old. His name's, I don't want to say his name, and all you say, I've never heard of him. Uh, Zion Williamson. Okay, has anybody heard of Zion Williamson? A couple? Okay. Uh, Zion Williamson is about to be n not a millionaire, but he's going to be counting his money in hundreds of millions very soon. It's, folks, it's all immoral. It's crazy. It's insane that this 18-year-old is going to be handed more money than all of us together will make in a lifetime. Uh, and, and he's supposed to know what to do with it. It's, it's all, that's another whole subject. But you talk about being distracted by bling. How could he not be distracted by bling? Seems like a decent young man. My prayer for Zion Williamson is that he has somebody guiding him, helping him through this process. Well, I just got distracted. Um, the point is, it's too easy to lose sight of what's really important. What's really important. And what's really important is the favor of God. That's what's really important. I think Aiken lost sight of it. So let's go back and just think through a, a few of the lessons from AI. I think the first is that we got to remember who's in control. If we expect to prosper in this life, we've got to remember who's in control. And you know, prosperity has nothing to do with money. Prosperity has nothing to do with how much you have. Prosperity has to do with knowing the favor of God in your life, with just knowing and living in the blessing of God. That's prosperity, because then it doesn't matter what else you have. That's prosperity. And so we need to remember that. 
The second is that we need to remember that anytime we disobey God, it's going to hurt everybody around us. That is like a cancer eating away. It's going to hurt everybody around us. It's going to hurt my family. It's going to hurt my spouse. It's going to hurt my children. It's going to hurt everybody around me, folks. Uh, and it's going to hurt me. That you cannot sin with impunity. Sometimes the world can, but you can't. As a follower of Christ, you have a good, good father, and you can't sin with impunity. And then last, let's not let the bling get in our eyes because uh, there's more important things than the stuff. Well, in brief, that's the lesson from AI. There could be more. But I don't know where it hits you this morning. Um, I mentioned a couple things specific. Uh, men, listen to me. I, I am told, if I read statistics, that 50% of all men in church are involved in pornography. Yeah, well, it is terribly sad. It's terribly sad. And do we think that that can happen and not affect the world around us? Do we think that we can expect the blessing of God on our churches if that's our life? Not going to happen. And ladies, I'm told that it's true of you too. I, I, I'm not sure I believe it, but if I read statistics, that's what I'm told. If, if we want the blessing of God, if we want the favor of God, if we want to know the power of God, folks, we've got to break the bondage. And maybe that's what this is about this morning, is, is breaking bondage. Um, as we close, that's the way I'm going to pray. But then also, we can be in bondage to stuff. That can be our bondage. Our bondage can be to the job, to the next new home, the next new car, the next new something. That can be our bondage. Uh, and all of that bling can be most important to us. And we need to be free from that bondage too. So why don't we just pray together and we'll we'll close. Father, uh, I believe that you put this story here for us. For us. And Lord, as we celebrated Jericho, what we saw was what you can do. We saw the barriers removed by your power, by your authority. And Lord, we were rejoicing in that. And then we come to Hai, and we presume on you. And we forget. We forget that it's you who saved us and keeps us. It's, it's you who sustains us. It's you who gets us through the difficult days of life. And we begin to think that we're special. And, and Lord, I pray this morning that you would cement in our minds that it's you who are special. It's you who are unique. And that we would sanctify you in our hearts. We'd set you apart, Lord and give you a place that nothing else can occupy as Lord of our life. 
And Lord, if there's someone here who's in bondage, to, to whatever it might be, and as we talked this morning, they know, Lord, that that power needs to be broken. God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to act on that. Not tomorrow, but today. Because in a sense, you've singled them out of the crowd. Just like you did Achan. There's nothing hidden from you. Lord, I pray that this morning we would be able to open our hearts freely. That there'd be no crevices, nothing hidden away. But that all would be laid bare before you. Lord, that's our heart, that's our request, and we ask it, especially for the sake of Jesus, because it's his great name that's compromised.